0: But then there's times when I uh, quiet down. But I still love the traditional. But but I can live with uh, without them. I remember my grandmother giving some words of wisdom to my wife and I shortly after we were married. We went by to visit her on uh, on the family farm. wasn't one that I've ever owned, but it was the one my dad grew up on and. And Wendell's are still farming it now to the fifth generation. And uh, and she said something to us. She said, uh, Ron and, and Pam, whatever happens through the week, whatever it is that may get you upset with one another, don't forsake going to church. Because there's no way that you can sing those hymns, and still be angry with one another or upset with one another. Uh, I've come to find out that uh, even contemporary music fits into that. I want us to look again for those who weren't here last week. uh, We're looking at the 23rd Psalm. Probably one of those uh, books of the Bible that some people may have memorized at some point. Uh, if, uh, If we were to read it in unison, it may all come back and you wouldn't even have to look at the pages uh, to know what it says, unless we're reading in a translation that you didn't grow up with, you know. I uh, I learned it at a young age when you didn't have much more than the uh, King James Version. I think you had the, was it, American Standard Version? Um, And there may have been some others, but not ones that I was uh, familiar with. Last week we looked at the provision of the shepherd, and really the whole uh, book of uh, Psalms, and especially the 23rd chapter, uh, deals with the provision of God, of what God has provided for us. But in particular, I want us to look at the last three verses uh, that talks about the power and the The perpetual, you know what I mean by perpetual? I only use that word because it starts with P and it, fits in with everything else, but it means that continuing, even eternal care of God. In the New Testament, there are two words that are translated power, but in in the old King James Version, it would say power, and you didn't know if it was a translation of the Greek word dynamis, which means might, strength, you know, power. It's the word from which we get our word dynamite, you know, that kind of power. Then there's the power from the Greek word exousius, which means authority. It, it'll, it also can reflect that of might, but more in the authority kind of, uh, of way. The power that's spoken of here really takes in both of those. The power of the shepherd, and I would say to most people when we think of the shepherd, we think of either God or the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned last week, the 23rd Psalm is about a relationship with a shepherd. Even the word shepherd carries that idea of, of not just one who tends to sheep, because that can be a job, but it 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 is it can be even translated friendship or intimacy. It, it, it's more. The shepherd had a relationship with the sheep In the New Testament, Jesus talks about the good shepherd, and he says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, but the, but the, the other shepherd that is not the good shepherd is one that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, uh, does not establish a relationship with the sheep. God establishes a relationship with us. Power is important, and I I think that we're influenced by by it a lot. When I was in, uh, during my first semester of junior college, I took a course in personal evangelism, and our textbook was a little paperback uh, with, with staples on it. I mean, it wasn't a real fancy book, although I looked it up on the internet. And they're going for like $41.75. And I think uh, in the mid or late 60s, I, I paid 4 or $5 dollars for it, which was a good bit back at that time. But it was a little book entitled Soul Winning Made Easy by C.S. Lovett. Not C.S. Lewis, but C.S. Lovett. And uh, I, I look back on that, and I'm glad that God allowed me to, to go through that. I've come to find that... Sharing your faith with others is more than just having a line, because this book gave you several phrases that could work into a conversation about eternal life and the plan of salvation. And the plan of salvation is used in, uh, in so when he made it easy, was pretty much the Roman road, but there was a little bit added uh, uh, to it also, a little bit out of Revelation, where I stand at the door and knock. Uh, but we would go up to uh, Meridian, Mississippi. And for those of you that don't know me, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. I, I, I am a Pennsylvania boy, but I went to college in uh, Mississippi because when God, when I recognized God's call to the ministry, I was in the military at the time, and, um, and I met up with Southern Baptists and fell in love with them. They taught me how to hug. Now, I knew how to hug, but they got to be some of the hugginest people I've ever been around. Uh, and, and those of you that grew up in it, you know what I mean it's just you know natural. matter of fact, it my my family was a close family and well a very loving family, but we never expressed it that much by hugging and uh, and I became a hugger when I became a Southern Baptist and uh, and I'm so grateful for it because, Uh, My folks got to where they enjoyed hugging, too, and I just uh, uh, loved it. We would go to Meridian, Mississippi uh, to share Christ. That was the biggest town near uh, Newton, Mississippi, which is a little burg out in the middle of uh, nowhere, although I think it was I-20, ran right by it, and... uh, and we'd share Christ with people, and and I would go. We'd always go in twos. I enjoyed going with Leroy Dickinson. Leroy Dickinson at the time stood six foot eight, weighed between three hundred and twenty and three hundred and fifty pounds. I I knew him to get up to as much as four hundred pounds, and and he I mean he was big when uh, the New Orleans Saints first started up. He, uh, he was a part of that for a brief while. Uh, his job prior to being called to the ministry was uh, a lineman for the Louisiana Power Company. This 350-pound man would run up and down these big uh, power uh, poles. And, uh, and when I went with him, I felt very secure (laughs) because of his size. Not too many people, uh, some people could be pretty uh, rude, but they weren't as rude when you were around uh, Leroy. And uh, I wasn't as big as I am uh, today. Power and size can affect us. What I want us to see this morning is that God is the biggest. Isn't he? Amen? Nothing larger than God. I remember our son, when he was four or five, I used to go and, and, uh, and have prayer with him uh, before he went to, to sleep, and, and he would ask questions or he would tell me something that he just discovered that day. You know. And, and uh, I remember once he said something, and I said to David, I need to keep my eye on that. You all know what I mean. And he looked at me and said, which one? Because uh, preschoolers, you know, they, they're, they're li- li- literal. But this particular night, he said, Dad, how big is God? And I said, well, God's pretty big. I mean, he's about to... Well, I said he was pretty big. And David said to me, Is he bigger than my tree? We had this huge willow tree in our backyard. And I said... Yeah, David, I think he's bigger than a tree. And he looked at me and he says, oh, no, God couldn't be bigger than my tree. And I said, well, that's fine. He's at least that big. And to him, that was the biggest thing around. Psalms talks about the power and the bigness of God. David had been through a lot. And he went through some very good times and some very bad times. And even the bad times were things that he experienced while he was following that path of righteousness that God laid before him. He also went through some bad times because of a personal moral failure in his life. Yet God brought him back and God used him in a mighty way. He had some limits on his life because of what God had called him to do. There's a passage where uh, David talks about wanting to build God a house. He wanted to build the temple. And God told him that he couldn't because he had blood on his hands. Not just because of taking a life because of his sin, but because he was a, a warrior. I, I, I'm so grateful that, that God gives us the freedom and gave me the freedom to stand before you today despite uh, the war that I was involved in and the things that happened in, uh, in that war. Verse 4 of Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We could spend a month, even a year just on that verse. But I want to remind you something, that this particular passage is in the context of the verse before. Before. And what was that verse before, verse 3? He restores my soul, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I don't know about you, but many times when you read that verse, the paths of righteousness, I mean, that's got to be good. And it is good. But it doesn't mean that good things are always going to happen when you're following the path of righteousness, because he says, even though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death as I'm following in that path of righteousness I will fear no evil for you are with me. The protection of God is first found in His presence. His, His presence is powerful. I, and I think you you know that God is present, correct? Can you think of some verses that talk about that? The last words that Jesus said on earth that we know from scripture was and I will be with you always even until the end of the world I think the King James says or the end of of the age. Um, We had a a director of the of our state convention Dr. Bush he came from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. He had been pastoring down there, and uh, he had just arrived that week, and we were having an associational Sunday school uh, get-together at World's End State Park. Anybody been there? And he made reference to that passage. He said, when when Jesus said, I'll be with you even until the end of the world, I, I didn't know it was a physical place, you know? Uh because it is out in the middle of nowhere and probably in one of the least, at that time, populated counties in our uh, state, which is uh, Sullivan County. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a phrase from those of us that are up in that area. They're more bare in Sullivan County than there are people. I mean, the whole county had one high school. And some kids rode an hour to an hour and a half to school every morning and every evening going home uh, in Sullivan County, but that was not uncommon. God's presence is important for us to accept and to recognize. It can affect us in different ways. One is that we know that He is with us and that He is aware of all that's going on in our life but also all that we're doing and even at times when we fail, when we don't do. But you know one thing I found about God and His grace? That <clears throat> He would rather we hear Him and respond to what we're hearing even though we may not be hearing Him right than for us to be fearful and not to try at all. God is a loving Father. I don't know what your experience was with Father. I pastored in inner city Philadelphia for three years while I was at seminary. And uh, I remember one summer we had uh, some summer missionaries that were in and they helped us with a vacation Bible school. And we were using the Southern Baptist Sundays or Vacation Bible School material, which is very, very good. And uh, <clears throat> one of the some of our missionaries came out in tears and said, "Pastor, we we can't use this material." He said, "This morning we were talking about God and God is Father, and I asked who a father was, and he said this young boy said he's the man that lays on the couch, drinks beer, and beats mommy and me." He said. How can we talk about God the Father when their experience of Father is is so, you know, horrible? But don't let that get in the way of knowing God the Father. Try to see it through the eyes of Jesus. He talks about the Father. So much. And he talks about his relationship with the Father, and that same relationship that he had with the Father, he was providing for us with the Father. We can be as intimate with God the Father as Jesus was with God the Father. And that's not blasphemy, that's the truth. It doesn't make us Jesus, it makes him Lord. And he has made that available to us. Listen to some verses that talk about God's presence. And in Matthew, um, Jesus says, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Hebrews, he says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. To Abraham, he says, I am with you to bless you. To Jacob, he says, I am with you to strengthen you. To Jeremiah he said I am with you to deliver you. To Judah he says I am with you to save you. Jesus said behold that's a strong term I am with you even to the end of the age. That's now. In our Sunday school class uh, Ramona attests to this where studying through the book of Revelation and uh, and you read that and you think boy that's got to be talking about now but I have a feeling that some of the things that are said in there those Christians that were going through the Crusade said this has got to be the time. World War one which was a devastating thing I'm sure people said God's got to be coming any moment. World War II, even more so. I mean, it really engulfed the, you know, the world. I'm sure some of those in the cold, frozen spots of North Korea and even South Korea felt the same thing. And in our day and time, where there's a war that isn't like the other ones that we have fought, this war on, on terror, we can say, this has got to be it. And folks, we need to live like it is. But the thing that we need to remember is that God is with us and his protection will, will keep us even in these difficult times. And he keeps us through his presence. Listen to, uh, to Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And if you're around me much, you'll hear Romans 8 a lot. Romans 8 is powerful. The whole book of Romans, you know. But you get up through about chapter five, and and it's pretty weighty. I'm icky. I mean, it's very theological. But then he starts getting into the practical stuff. But in uh, in in Romans 8:26 it says, "Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us." with groanings too deep for words. That word, uh, help us, is, is from actually two Greek words, with and participate. To participate with. Literally, it means to take hold of opposite together. That is to cooperate. The Holy Spirit works with us, not against us. And works with us in those times when we just don't know how to put in words what our need is. But the Spirit of God does it. For Jesus promised not to leave us uh, without a helper. Uh, and it's that word, uh, paraclete, para to come alongside of, an and advocate and intercessor for us. Um, He has promised not to leave us without help, but to provide that help and that strength through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know, we talk about the life of Jesus, and his life and ministry, and his death and resurrection. But another very important event was his ascension to heaven. For he sits at the right hand of God interceding for us, but had he not ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit would not have come. David talks about Holy Spirit of God. And back in the Old Testament time, God would at times send His Holy Spirit upon individuals to lead. And David, because of his moral sin, cried out to God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. When we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our life. And it cannot be removed or taken from us. Matter of fact, Jesus said that we are in His hand, and His hand is in God's hand, and no one can take us from God's hand. And we'll see that a little bit later in, uh, in Psalm 23. It's important to know that the, the, the presence of God, how do we know that He is present with us? What is the evidence of that? Well, Jesus tells us, by this all people will know that you are my followers, that you are with me and I am with you, if you have love one for another. Jesus said that if we obey his commandments, we love him. Love is evidence of the presence of God's Spirit. I love my wife very, very much, and we've been married 51, coming up next month, or 51 years, 50 years, 51 years. Um, and I love her very much. And there's times when she said, why? Why do you love me? And there's a lot of reasons, and I could give a lot of things about her personally and all. But you know, the bottom line, apart from all of that, I love her because she is her. That's that's the presence of God. That's the love of God. It's hard. We can try to put words to it to say why we do, but that love that He gives us, which is the evidence of His presence, is that we just know. Matter of fact, in Romans chapter eight, it says that. the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There was a young child, five or six years old, that came to her pastor, said she wanted to trust Jesus as her Lord and Savior, and he was very concerned because she's very young of age, and you may have had that experience with Christ at a very young age, and not fully understanding all that, that it meant, but you knew that you wanted to trust Jesus. I had a young man come once, and I said, "Why?" And he says, "Because I don't want to sin anymore." <laughs> and I and I said, "Okay, you know, I can I can go along with that." But she said to her pastor that she wanted to trust Jesus, and uh, and he said, "Well, how how do you know her?" She actually said, "I've trusted Jesus." I said, well, how do you know you have? And she looked at him somewhat. Surprised, I said, "Well, Pastor, you know I—I I know it in my nowhere." As Baptists, at times we like to hear things like, "Well, there was a time in my life when I realized that I was a sinner, and that Jesus died for me and rose again, and uh, and I asked Him." To save me and come into my heart, and I went forward in a service and made that public, you know, and 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 we think that you know that's evidence that that took place. But the bottom line is that when we come to faith in Christ because of God's presence in the life, we know that we know, and we may not be able to put it into words. I think it's good to have words to put it into. I don't recommend you taking a course in soul winning made easy. But I, but I would recommend that you understand the, ah, I hate to use the word process, but what took place in your life that brought you to that point of letting go of yourself and giving it over to God? I, uh, in my Bible, I keep, and I have different ones. This is one that happens to be put out by the North American Mission Board. There may well, there used to be some on the table back there. I'm not sure where they are now, but uh, but we can sure get it, and it's good to carry it in case someone would say to you, how can I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior like you have? I remember a young couple I went to visit once in Berwick, Pennsylvania, when I was pastor up there. They had visited the church, and I went by to see them, and at that time, I wasn't the most courageous, even with my course in soul winning made easy. And when I got there there was another couple visiting with him. I thought, well, this isn't going to be the time, you know. And I, I, I visited with them briefly, and I was going to go. And uh, they said, oh, no, please stay. We, we, we would like to talk to you a little bit. And I said, well, you have friends here. And and their children, they were about time for them to go to bed. And they said, oh, Pastor, please just stay here. And and uh, our friends were just getting ready to leave. And uh, we're going to put our kids to bed, but that only take a moment. And they came back and I was sitting in this chair, and they sat on the floor in front of me, and this was their words. Pastor Ron, tell us how we can know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And at that point, I had to backslide not to share the gospel. God may have already given you those opportunities, and and if... If you feel bad again, uh, about it, it's it's the work of the Word of God because Timothy it says that it's given for correction and reproof, and that reproof means conviction or confrontation with what we need to be doing. Uh, so we need to familiarize ourselves with what Jesus says about coming to faith in Him. I like Ephesians. Is it two, eight, and nine? that says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Now, a non-Christian may not know what those words mean, but I think God will give you the words to share that with someone. Because he is present with us. And Jesus even said that I'll send the Holy Spirit who will be your teacher and, and will call to mind those things that I have taught you. I've been around over 70 years now and there's been a lot taught to me because I've been in church and my mother told me I went to church before I was born because she was there every Sunday. And, uh, and there are times that God will bring to mind those things that he has taught me. Not necessarily experiences but the truth of God's word. Some of those basic things like Jesus loves me, this I know. It may sound like a kid's song, but I love singing it as an adult. Because it's the truth. We know it for many reasons, but one of the reasons is we know it because because he dwells in us through our faith in him. He also protects us by his his power and might, or his authority. It says, uh, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If you read commentaries, and especially some of the older ones, Mickey, you probably have some of those older ones, uh, they'll say that that the rod and staff wasn't just the thing that the shepherd Hell, but it referred to the Word of, of God. His Word and His presence, they uh, comfort us because it gives correction and guidance and gives us reproof. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Ladies, I don't leave you out. They have that word that they say, man, but uh, many times it refers to mankind in, in Scripture. His rod and his staff gives us comfort. Listen to what Isaiah said about the strength of God no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed in Romans 8 it says what then shall we say about these things if God is for us who can stand against us God can give us comfort through the strength of his person and his word. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 says, And he said, Listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at this great horde, the enemy that was coming against them. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Read through that in 2 Chronicles. Because the army of God went out of Jerusalem to meet the enemy. And you know what was right up front? What was point, man, for the army of Israel? Singers. Rachel, they were singers, musicians. They went out singing and praising God. And when they got to a spot where they could look about <clears throat> to see the enemy, they lay dead. In the night, terror came and they turned against one another. And, <clears throat> and God destroyed the whole army because it was his battle and not Israel's. And it said it took them several days to gather up the spoil. That's the God that dwells within us through His Spirit. That is the God that we serve. God's protection is not only by His power, but also by His perpetual care. Verses 5 and 6, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I'm tempted to spend time there, but let's just say that God gives us victory. That uh, picture that he gives us of preparing a table in the presence of our enemies in, uh, in Romans, well, not in Romans time, even prior to Romans time, a conquering uh, army, whether the king was at the lead or he had a commander at the lead, when they would come back to the city, they would bring prisoners with them and they would celebrate the victory, and they would lay out a a, a table of all kinds of food, and the enemy would be restrained, chained or whatever, in sight of this. This picture of preparing a table in the presence of my enemy refers to the victory that is ours in Christ. Because of his power, he provides victory. He also provides uh, anointing. You anoint my head uh, with oil, my cup overflows. Refers to abundance of good things. God will bless us in physical things, but don't get caught up in that. Paul says, for we look not upon the things that are seen, but upon the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God blesses us in a physical way, uh, but he also blesses us in that spiritual way. My, uh, my, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He can bless us, but the greatest blessing is that one from within. Because of God's presence and because of our relationship with him, And then he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's perpetual, God's forever care of us. Let me take you back again to Romans chapter 8. Remember last week it start. I said Romans is beautiful because it starts out with there's therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus, and it concludes by saying, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or stress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are, we are regarded as sheep, to be slaughtered. But then he responds to that question of who can separate us. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, that's the uh, ESV, I am convinced, you know, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, we have certainty, we have security far beyond going out sharing Christ with Leroy Dickinson, who is a massive guy, we have assurance that the salvation that we find in Christ Jesus, I was looking, I think Bill left already because he's got to fly to Miami to take a plane tomorrow uh, to wherever he's going. But uh, but something he says uh, a lot, and those that are in this class will tend to it, It's not about you, it's about Him. Now that doesn't mean that we're not important. Matter of fact, it means that we are very important. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, only unique Son. Or as my professor, Dr. Stevens at Mississippi College said, that could be translated weird. And we hear the name weird and and we think, whew. Jesus is weird, and weird simply means unique, one-of-a-kind, different. He gave his only son that there was not a duplicate of, that we should not perish, but that we have everlasting life. And so we can say with, uh, with King David, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in his presence forever. I want us to look at one word before we conclude. And that is, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That word follow is a word that means to be hunted, to be pursued. It it even means to be Dogged, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the presence of God forever and ever. Remember in the Old Testament, God was present in his house, and that not sure when David wrote this. It was either when the house of God was a temporary portable, an R V. You know the the tabernacle, or it was the house that uh, his son uh, would uh, would build. That that he prepared all that was necessary so that his son could build this this place for a permanent place for God uh, to live. God is in the. RV stage again, because He dwells within us and wherever we go. I think it's in Psalms that says, where can I go from your presence, Lord? If I go to the farthest ends of the world, you're there. If I go to the deepest part of the seed, see, you're there. If I go to the highest heavens, and they had no idea how high they were. And I mean, we've gone a good way. Mankind's gone to the the moon, but but it's further than that what the psalmist was saying is there's there's no way that we can get away from god because he loves us and not only does he love us but he pursues us where are you in your relationship with god it doesn't matter how close you are this afternoon you can be closer Tonight you can be closer to tomorrow morning. You'll be closer. Closeness with God. It's all about Him. But there are things that we can do. Not to neglect prayer. Not to neglect His Word. Reading of it. Not to neglect the study of it. And if you're not involved in in Bible study with other people, folks, it's important. God says to us, I believe it's in Philippians, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together for as some people do, you know, those that say, well, I can, I can be a Christian and not be a part of the church. You know, I can be saved and not go to church. That may be the case, but you're going to be a sorry-looking Christian because we need one another. And the evidence of God's presence will be shown to you as we come together as a body of believers that have many things in common, but one at the center is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me conclude with with the third verse of uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It says this, O to the grace, how great a debtor, daily I am constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter. Uh, You know, a fetter is like a chain that, that holds to us. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above.